Thanks for being a part of the Fearless Army. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and when you do, ask me a question in the comments. Each week, we'll compile your best questions and answer them on air. For Jason Whitlock, I'm Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Thursday. Thanks for joining me. Awesome show planned for you today. Uh, Start hitting that five-star review on Apple. Hit the subscription, the likes on YouTube. We're going to talk sports today with Brett Favre, Warren Sapp, Steve Kim, TJ Moe is in studio with me. We're going to start, and we're going to bring Brett Favre in very shortly, because we're going to start by talking about how all the pressure is on Lamar Jackson this weekend. There's no player left in these playoffs with more pressure on him than Lamar Jackson. And I say that affectionately, not wishing any harm on Lamar Jackson, but I say that affectionately because he's playing for what I believe to be one of the all-time great teams. And I know they have four losses, and most of the teams with four losses are never considered in that stratosphere. I think this Baltimore team is. I think that the 17-game schedule mixed with how much money these guys make, we're, we're never going to see, I don't believe, any more 16-1 teams or 17-0 teams or even 15-2 teams. I think it's very unlikely, very hard. Players make too much money. There are too many games. They take weeks off. And, and quite frankly, as it relates to Lamar and, and, and the Baltimore Ravens playing in that AFC North, you, you just can't come out of that unscathed. There's too much rivalry, too much history, too long as Mike Tomlin is in that conference or in that division uh, with John Harbaugh. These guys know each other too well. Two of Baltimore's losses are to the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mike Tomlin, and that's because Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh know each other in their sleep. And and there's just too much physical history in that league for anybody to go through it undefeated, but I think the gap between Baltimore and the rest of the NFL is really significant this year. They've blown out a lot of really good teams by two touchdowns or more. I think their losses are all to teams with winning records. This is, and it'll never get recognized because they have four losses, but I think over time, smart people will realize this is one of the great teams ever put together. Physical on both sides of the ball, (coughs) offense and defense. Physical with that running game. Physical in stopping the run. Great special teams. You got to know John Harbaugh came up as a special teams coach. This is a complete football team. We need to enjoy it. But in saying that, and with them hosting the Kansas City Chiefs in Baltimore, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson's got to get it done. Because if it doesn't happen this year, Lamar's reputation as someone that doesn't get it done in the playoffs is going to be similar to what Peyton Manning's was in college football. Great player. Couldn't win the national championship. Got to the NFL. Struggled in big games early. Lamar, 
I'm not comparing Lamar just yet and now. He's gonna and it, it, the the Peyton Manning comparison is actually pretty good because Peyton won a lot of MVPs and only won two Super Bowls. And in one of those Super Bowls, he got carried uh, to the Super Bowl title. And so Lamar, a lot of pressure. This is I think year six for Lamar. So we're gonna talk about that with Brett Favre and Warren Sapp and T.J. Mobile chime in. Uh, I just wanted to set the table for what our discussion was. For 10 years, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. And when I say only, trust me, they're the only one. Glenn Story and the team have been great supporters of this show, which is why I am proud to partner with them. Patriot Mobile offers dependable nationwide coverage, giving you the ability to access all three major networks, which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to without funding the left. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending the message that you support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, the Second Amendment, and our military veterans and first responders. Their 100% US-based customer service team makes switching easy. Keep your number, keep your phone, or upgrade. Their, their team will help you find the best plan for your needs. Just go to patriotmobile.com Jason or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation when you use the offer code Jason. Join me. I made the switch more than a year ago. Completely satisfied. PatriotMobile.com slash Jason. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Jason. Or call 972-PATRIOT. All right. Fun slinger, Brett Favre. Next. Welcome back. Time for one of the greatest players in NFL history, friend of the show. Uh, not a Taylor Swift fan, I don't think, but we'll find out. I'll save that question uh, for the end. Brett Favre, uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, Brett, I, I want to start by talking about the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. I have this belief that I think we're looking at an all-time great team. Can't see it because they have four losses. I, 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 they play in the AFC North. I think it's that, that too familiar in that league, particularly with Harbaugh and Tomlin as long as they've been there. I, I, on both sides of the ball, I think Baltimore is great. They've blown out a lot of great teams. What do you think of my theory that if, if they win this, finish up this run, win the Super Bowl, they could be regarded as an all-time great team even though they have four losses this season. No, I, I, I definitely agree with you. Uh, obviously, they got to they got to one out, uh, or we're not having this conversation. Um, but you know, I, I, I totally agree with you. But to me, what's so surprising is how they've kind of flown under the radar. You know, and, and maybe that's been a good thing for them, uh, less distractions, but. Lamar Jackson's playing, you know, unbelievably oh, great. Their defense has always been stingy, but they're really playing very, very good football right now. Uh, and offensively, Todd Munkin, who I know 
pretty well. He used to be the head coach here at Southern Miss and has done a great job of of, of scoring points and, and being diverse, allowing Lamar to do what he does best and and be a dual threat probably in all of his years of playing NFL football. I think this is the most complete we've seen of Lamar Jackson. It, it really is. He does seem complete, but I, I, I'm not sure. I go back to some San Francisco teams with Joe Montana and Steve Young that were great on offense and great on defense. A, a, a lot of time, you know, the Reggie White Packers team and, and yourself, that's great on offense, great on defense. There's very, you know, the Chicago Bears obviously were carried by their defense, the 85 Bears. The former, the Ray Lewis, Baltimore Ravens carried uh, by their defense. It's it's very rare to see greatness on both sides of the ball. And, and that's not a good setup for this next question, but you're the perfect person to ask this next question that, that I, I wasn't really planning, but I, it just crossed my mind. When I look at the Green Bay franchise and what you established and handed off to Aaron Rodgers, and now I'm looking at Jordan Love, and it's like you and Aaron Rodgers established, and you could probably include Bart Starr, but that was, but you and Aaron Rodgers established a level of greatness at that position in Green Bay that I think Jordan Love wants to live up to. And, and I'm gonna connect this long-winded way of connecting it to the Baltimore Ravens. When I look at the Baltimore Ravens, I feel like Ray Lewis and Ed Reed's influence is still over that organization and that anybody that comes in there to play defense in Baltimore says, man, I gotta live up to this Ray Lewis, Ed Reed standard. The same way when someone puts on that Green Bay helmet and playing quarterback, they think, I got to live up to that Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers standard. Do you think you, you and Rodgers left that kind of legacy in Green Bay and we're seeing the same thing on the defensive side in Baltimore? Well, uh, I'm not going to say that. Uh, I don't know if that's for me to say. Um, I just know that I did my best, gave it all I had, handed the keys to Aaron, and he took it and ran with it. And Jordan looks like he's well on his way to being uh, a great quarterback. In regards to Baltimore, I have thought the same thing for years. Like Ray, Ed Reed, Adelius Thomas, you know, we can name numerous other Terrell players. Terrell Suggs. Suggs. That sort of loom over that defense. There's a mystique uh, with that defense. Like, I don't want to be on the first defense for the Ravens that gives up X number of points per game or ranks last in the league, you know, whatever. Um, I think that there is a, when you sign with the Ravens and you're a defensive player, especially linebacker, uh, or safety. Uh, there's a certain level of responsibility that sort of looms over you. Uh, I, I feel it. I, I sense it. I think most people could say the same thing. Yeah, I, I think there's something to it. It's, 
the Steelers had it going on with linebackers for year after year yes. after year. The, the Steel Curtain, Jack Ham, Jack Lambert established something that resonated for 30, 40 years. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing the impact you can have as a great player, uh, and it can loom. Uh, Brett, there's a lot of rumors that this could be Andy Reid's final season uh, coaching in the NFL. I don't buy it because I just can't see Andy Reid walking away from the best quarterback in the league who's in his prime right now and probably has six more, eight more seasons of being in his prime. Could you see Andy Reid, maybe if they win a Super Bowl, or regardless of what happens in these playoffs, could you see Andy Reid hanging it up? Uh, yes and no. Andy and I are, are really close. We don't talk in detail about, you know, things like that. But, you know, in, in one side of the coin, you could say, what is there left to do as a coach? The other side is, what am I, what am I going to do after? Now, Andy's always been a, a great family person. They have a big family. Um, I think that they're. I think that this is important. His family really enjoys the fact that Andy's the coach, and uh, and and a successful coach. So that I think that that plays a big part too in staying or not staying. Um, I could see either, honestly. I sort of lean towards what you're leaning. I think he'll, you know, nothing left to prove what, in my opinion, you can let your guard down and just have fun. And Andy's that type of guy. He, you know, the cliche of players coach, Andy is not going to be a, a, a big time ass ripper. I mean, he is not going to chew you out. But he's, he has this way of getting the, the most out of you and demanding respect in a gentle way, if that makes sense. And so you love him. Um, you love playing for him. There's no doubt you play for Andy Reid, you have a great chance of success as a team and as an individual. And as a coach, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, that'd be pretty cool to be Andy Reid, you know. So I think I think there's a chance that either could could happen, but I think Andy right now is really just enjoying the ride. I, that's that's my my feeling. So you've already acknowledged and stated like he's not telling you what he's thinking, but if you had to speculate, do you think Andy cares? about his legacy in the NFL because he actually has a shot to put his name in the conversation as greatest coach in NFL history yeah. because he did it in Philadelphia. Not that he won a Super Bowl, but he had a lot of success, went to a Super Bowl. Donovan McNabb made him look like a Hall of Famer help Michael Vick get a second $100 million contract, had uh, Alex Smith looking like a all-pro quarterback, and now he has Patrick Mahomes. And so if he were to win a fourth or fifth Super Bowl, 
he now gets in that conversation yeah. with Belichick and, and Bill Walsh. Do, do you think he cares about things like that? Yes and no. I think as a player or as a coach in a competitive arena like football, what drives you? Success, winning. And as a coach, uh, much like a, you know, a quarterback, you're judged by playoff, Super Bowl, uh, you know, your leadership in that regard. And Andy certainly deserves all the accolades that come his way. And I think deep down inside, I don't think that that's what drives him. I think that he loves coaching. He loves mentoring these young guys. His expertise, surprisingly, as an offensive lineman at BYU, blocking for Jim McMahon. Who would have ever thought that Andy Reid would become a quarterback guru? Um, but he was so instrumental in my success. And you you just touched on it, all the quarterbacks and the teams that he's been successful with. I, how could that not mean something to you, uh, your legacy? I don't think that he's going to be waiting anxiously when that day comes when he retires to where do I fit? Where do I fit? Tell me now. I think Andy is, uh, you know, speaks softly, carry a big stick type of guy. You know, Brett, thinking about how unlikely he is offensive lineman, it made me think of a small little joke about if anybody ever saw my uh, transcripts at Ball State, and if they ever interviewed uh, this girl named Susan, I'm not going to say her last name because people will hunt her down because she wrote some papers for me. Uh, and <laughs> if anybody, nobody would have thought that I would be a great sports writer of any note. Uh, so I'm just as unlikely as uh, I've even surprised myself. Seriously, when I look back at how stupid I was, I'm amazed at uh, what I've been able to accomplish, but thank God, and I say that yeah. sincerely. I'm, Man, I'm right there God with you, Jason. Yeah, I'm right there with you. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Brett, uh, Brock Purdy, and we don't got to spend long on this, but it's just an interesting question. If you had to bet, and you got to make a choice here, Brett, if you had to bet a million dollars, there's a lot of conversation about Brock Purdy. Is he great? Is he the quarterback of the future for the San Francisco? Is he being carried? Will Brock Purdy be San Francisco's quarterback, starting quarterback in 2025, if you had to bet? Yes. Yes. I think he's earned that so right. So you're a believer? Yeah, I think he's earned that right. I think uh, he's, he's limited athletically and he gets exposed a little bit with um, a lot of defensive pressure. But I think he handles himself very well. You know, you don't have to be. I mean, Joe Montana what, wasn't the strongest arm, wasn't the biggest, wasn't the strongest, wasn't the fastest. But, damn, he was good. Brock Purdy can be that guy. Is he a Patrick Mahomes, uh, Lamar Jackson type of player? Absolutely not. I think he is a uh, is a really good quarterback, great leader. The guys seem to love him and respond to him in in the way as a coach or as a GM or the owner. You go, that's what I want to see. And uh, 
unless he gets hurt, uh, I, I see him coming back. All right. Uh, I want to move on to Bill Belichick. Dan Wetzel wrote an interesting column like Atlanta seems to be the only team interested in Bill Belichick. That, that's kind of shocking to me that uh, teams seem hesitant to bring in Bill Belichick. And, and maybe it's a situation where an owner or a general manager, a team president, doesn't want to be overshadowed uh, by the head coach or have more power or, or have their power diminished by the head coach. But are you surprised that there wasn't, you know, two, three, four teams just beating down the door, offering Bill Belichick whatever he wants uh, to in, be their head in coach? In today's game? No, I'm not surprised a bit. I think Bill's a tremendous coach. I think, I think the combination of he and Tom were virtually unstoppable. You know, who's to say which one had the biggest impact? I just think the combination of them were were tremendously successful and and almost unstoppable. That in itself, uh, in today's game, is not enough to to warrant you know beating the door down and and you know we want you as a. I think we're seeing it. The trend is going with the younger analytics. Uh, Almost like if you saw the movie Moneyball that Brad Pitt played, it almost seems like they're going with the young guy who, the the groovy young guys that understand the the, the this generation, and uh, you know the the days of Bill Parcells and Mike Ditka and Bill Belichick, um, Forrest Gregg and Nick Tom Saban. Landry, Nick Saban. Those days are over. You know, I, I, I'd be shocked if they came back anytime soon where you got a guy who's a hard-nosed guy that when they put the pads on in practice, we're fighting, we're hitting each other. Uh, those days are over. It's someone who understands social media, someone that can relate to the players. Um, it's just a different, it's a different game now. And I, I'm not saying Bill can't adapt to it, but I think the overshadowing aspect of it too is a, is a big part of it you know bill comes in bill wants all total control and and quite frankly to a certain extent deserves it does an owner want to relinquish that uh i i don't think so uh so brett i want to end on a you know more important note uh particularly to nfl fans uh do you have a problem with taylor swift I mean, are, are you not a Swifty? I mean, what, what, what's the deal? I don't have, you know, it's funny. We talked about this on the show a week or so ago. And the question that you asked me was, is she a distraction? If, I, if I'm right. It wasn't me, Brett. You said it to someone else. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, whoever I said it to, was I was asked <laughs> if she was a distraction. And I said, no. Yeah. But if they lose, the fans may think she's a distraction you know, lose this week or in the Super Bowl. I I don't dislike Taylor Swift. I have, I'm not judging her. I, that's the only question. And somehow it got construed that she was doing it to generate money or some, I, I don't know what, but 
the, the girl is super talented. She's made a gazillion dollars. Uh, seems like Name she her really top likes- five songs, Brett. Name her top five songs right off the top of your head. Uh, I'm going to say, I think there's one song that I know, Shake It Off or something. Yes. Oh, I was I bet everybody you wouldn't know one. <laughs> oh, my, my, my daughters and, and their kids love her. Uh, her road manager, I know it very, 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 very well. And uh, is a great guy. And I have nothing but uh, good things to say about her. Does that mean I go to her concerts? No. I don't go to anybody's <laughs> concerts. I, I like to stay home. But whoa, 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 whoa. You're telling me if Adele came to Mississippi, you wouldn't take your wife and whole family to see Adele. You could get on my bad side here. Be careful with this. I, I like Adele's music. I don't know if I, I would go see her. If, if the Gap Band, if Hall and Oates, if New, New Edition, if Cool in the Game, if they all <laughs> played here locally, I'm there. I'm there. I think there may be some, you know, is, is, you got a problem with, you know, white female singers, man? I mean, Taylor Swift and Adele, who could be bigger than that? Name an Adele song. Uh, I can think I can hum it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I like her, though. It's <laughs> Every time you answer the phone, you say an Adele song. Hello? Yeah. <laughs> You're right. You're right. But Lionel Richie also sang Hello. That's right. That's right. That's I love right. some Lionel Richie, All by right. the way. <laughs> Brett, uh, thank you so much. Uh, make sure the Swifties, when you hear this, it's, it's, isn't it at Brett Favre? I think if you're going to attack someone, leave me out of it. Attack Brett Favre. I love, well, I, actually, I don't love it. I, but I don't love her. I just love the cover of that album. It's called Fearless. Yeah. But I don't, I, I struggled. The only song I know is Shake It Off. Shake It Off and Bad Blood. I'll tell you what, have she, uh, 3.3 billion views on YouTube. Me Go and ahead. you probably have 150. <laughs> 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 yeah, I've been getting all kinds of messages from people saying, oh, she gives away more money than you'll ever have. I don't care. I don't care. That's great for her. I really don't care. I, I'm, I'm content. You know, it's all good. Travis likes her. She Thank likes you, Brett. it. It's all good. It's all good, Wait, Jason. I don't want to get you going to draw me into this Swifty deal. I've already, Ciara's already come after me, or Sierra. Is it Sierra? Ciara, whatever. Anyway, I, I'm Sierra. Yeah. yeah, Sierra. Have you been testing your skills on prize picks this football season? It's the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. My mom, 
<laughs> you know, she likes to gamble. Taught me how. Uh, she's got her prize picks for this week's uh, weekend uh, championship games, the AFC and NFC championship games. Jared Goff, more than 257 and a half passing yards versus the 49ers. Patrick Mahomes, less than 245 and a half passing yards versus the Ravens. I don't know about that, mama. Chris, what? Yeah, they're going to be forced to pass the ball. They're not going to run. I don't like that pick, mama. And then guess what? They got a free square for you. Christian McCaffrey. All he's got to do is get more than a half yards rushing versus the line. They're, tr they're giving you a pick. Mama, good pick. That's a smart move, taking that. Uh, go to prizepicks.com slash fearless. Use the promo code fearless. For a first deposit match up to $100, that's prizepicks.com slash fearless. Use our promo code fearless, prizepicks. Daily fantasy sports made easy. We got to move on to uh, my main man, uh, Warren Sapp. I'm a little bit late. So don't go anywhere. Warren Sapp next. time it is QB killer time Warren Sapp joining the show uh, one of the greatest defensive players of all time and maybe the greatest got former player talking about the NFL uh, Warren uh, we just had Brett Favre on and uh, Favre was uh, seems to have a tiny bit of a problem with Taylor Swift <laughs> and so we wanted to know your position on uh, just a he, he doesn't care about Taylor Swift. So I want to put you in the same trick bag and get the Swifties upset with you. Uh, uh -uh. What's your take on Taylor uh -uh. Swift, her music? Uh -uh. No, what? oh, I don't. I, I, you know what? <clears throat> You'd have to play something for me. I, I'm sorry. I, I am out of the music genre. This thing right here totes a lot of '90s music. You know what I'm saying? Sorry. You telling me you and your old lady don't uh, shake it off from time to time? Hold on. You know, just baby, you got some uh, Taylor Swift. Nope. <laughs> she got that either. <laughs> she got that either. I nothing against the Swifties or whatever because I heard that she puts on an amazing show. And if I ever get an opportunity to get a ticket, Taylor Swift, Swifties. The big fella come and rock with you. I, I ain't got no problem with good music. If it jams, it jams. I ain't got no problem with it. I got. I played Darren Hall and Oates the other day. That that's in my playlist. Hall and Oates. Yeah, the Hall and Oates. Uh, uh, Farb just mentioned them as one of his all-time favorite groups. Yeah. Who yeah, who yeah. is who is your favorite? Like, if you were stranded on an island, Ooh. whose album? If you could only take one, who would you? Whose album would you take? I'm taking Trick Daddy Dollar with me, baby. You said what? I'm taking Trick Daddy Dollar. I watched Trick leave the correctional facility and write his first album in front of me. So based on a true story, will forever be my, my anthem in life. Now, outside of my homeboy, because that's love. That's my heart. If you tell him, I'm taking Biggie Smalls with me. I'm taking the big fella with me, always. Come on. You're stranded on an island, and you're taking rap music. Yeah, because I need a little something to pick me up in the morning, and Biggie does that with a nice story. Who's this paging me at 546 in the morning? Crack a donut. Now I'm yawning. <laughs> what? 
Wipe the coal out my eye. See who's this. Come on, dog. Stop it. As a big man, you got to love Biggie. Come on. And then Biggie, when he had the kids. No, I was a, I was a Pac. I was a Pac guy. In the Biggie versus Pac, I was a Pac guy. Okay. No problem. I have no problem with Mr. Tupac Shakur. None. But Who you taking on the island with you? I'm taking you R&B with me. I'm taking the Isley Brothers. Nothing wrong with that? I'm taking... Nothing wrong with yeah. that, but you ain't got nobody with you. Is that is that is that your you got you got a lot of, you got a lot of lotion on this island or something with the <laughs> <laughs> I want something to get me up and going in the morning. I I got to I got to build this island up, buddy. I got to put up a sign, a flag, or, you know, build a fire. You you never see lost. I'm taking me. Al Green. I'm no, taking fire. Al Green. Now, ain't nothing wrong with Al Green. Now. Al Green go hard. Now. Al, Al Green's Green. off the chain, and he does hard. gospel music too. The Rev, Al Green go hard. The Rev can Al cover Green. all the bases. Hey, all of them, all of them. Now, yeah, Al Green. Now you, you know what? Now you talk about iconic legends. That yeah, we taking someone down to put Al Green up on my wall here. I just now that got to put Al Green. Inspires up. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah you Taylor Swift's yeah. gone. Al Green's coming. The Rev. We gonna put the Rev up. <laughs> uh, wait, wait. You had Taylor right, Swift on the wall? No way. No way you had Taylor Swift on the wall. She's got an album called Fearless. You, you've been to the studio. You've seen a little, it's a little potpourri of everybody that. And I, ain't, I, ain't I, seen I don't no, even know her music, no, but no, I. Yeah. You, and you don't know yeah. the album and it's on your wall? It's called Fearless. Someone I else. You what it's called. We had a I former what assistant. Like. What it sound like? What was her name? <laughs> Jana. 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 My first assistant. But, she knew the, the, the Taylor Swift and it was called Fearless. And so. She put it up there. Anyway, let me move on to uh, I'm, I'm costing us valuable football we conversation we time. Come on, come on, come on. I, I, yeah, I, I apologize. I want to play you a couple of clips contrasting Dan Campbell clips. I want to play you a clip from his first uh, press conference when he got the job in Detroit. And I want you to tell me what you were thinking at that time. Play the clip. <laughs> this team's going to be built on uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth. All right. And, and when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. All right. And we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. All right. And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap and we're going to get up. And then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before, before long, we're going to be the last one standing. So go back in time. Don't think about them being in the NFC Championship game right now. When you heard that, when he got hired, what were you thinking about Dan Campbell? I was like, is this all going to happen in one play? Or after the whistle? Because <laughs> <laughs> the average NFL play is around six seconds long. So I was wondering, you know, what would the referee going to be doing with all this hitting and swinging and biting and, you know, blood? Because you know, you, <laughs> when a kneecap come off, it's going to be a little blood. So do we stop this and, you know, call the police? <laughs> a bunch of well, things went I, through I, my I don't, I don't know things. if you've been following the show, but when something happens to your kneecap, they put a six-inch screw in your kneecap when something happens to it. I don't know. That's what Stephen A. Smith broke his kneecap in half, and they put a six-inch screw in it. So that that's where they probably call a timeout, put a six-inch screw. But let me move on. I don't I don't want to be a no, distraction. No, don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> 
because I'm still trying to figure out how you shoot five threes in one and a half points in one game. I, <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's a lot of, hey man, I, I never did a trajectory or a math equation to get the space shuttle back to Florida, but I know you can't do one and a half in one. I just, and I love, I love one and a half because I'm a sack man. You know, I always take one and a half. Give me one and a half every week. We be working around here. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what Stephen A. Maybe he was a pass rush specialist at Winston Salem State, and Ooh. that's where maybe that's the explanation. <laughs> that's not not bad, Sam. Not bad. Uh, <laughs> let me play you this other clip from Dan Campbell. Okay. This is more recent, and now that he's in the NFC Championship, I want to how this hits with you. Let's play the clip. I had a couple of you look at me like, "What the? F- why are we going live?" I got it. Here's what I need, man. I need you to trust me. I, I swear to God, I'm not a lunatic. I swear to you. And if I absolutely knew we could get to where we need to get without ever putting pads on, I'd do it. I swear to you. But also for us as a team to get better. Defensively, what is the essence of what we do, man? What are the two things? Pursuit and tackle. Pursuit and tackle. Man, if you don't work on tackling, if we don't work on run after catch, making a move, Man, we, what are we doing, man? Then we finally get to week eight and we come to life because we got enough reps. That's what I'm doing, and I swear, man. I don't want to put anybody in jeopardy, but I, we have to do it, man. I believe it. We're not going to do it every day. I'm going to give you an illustration tonight. Man, I got a plan, I swear to you. All I think about is you guys. That's all I think about, man. That's all I think about is you guys and how I set you up for the best possible, the best possible advantage I can give you to have a season. I swear to you, man. I just need you to trust me. That's all. Please. Listen. These people right here in this front row, they got these, kind of almost look like a soccer ball or something on their blue t-shirts. These kids have cancer, man. They got cancer, man. I appreciate if some of you guys go over there and sign, just say hi, that'd be nice. You know, we're all fortunate here. We all know. Let's be better tomorrow. What do you think about Dan Campbell after that? Oh, no. I I saw Dan Campbell in the tunnel in Raymond James Stadium in my house. And he turned and came out with a security man. And I turned to him because I – and I saw Siriano too, at the playoff game. So I told them both of them that they were nutty at the time for the things they said. And I looked at him and I said, Coach, I'd love to play for you. I shook his hand. I said, but no good luck today. <laughs> and they went out and trounced us 20 to 6 or something like that. I'd play for this man any day of the week and twice on Sunday. That's what you want in your head coach. You want a man that can stand in front of you in Whitlock and say, I got a plan. I know I just put you in pads and we, I love it. I love it because the only way you practice this game or play this game is practice this game. And I love what he said. What do we do as a defense? Pursuit and tackle. And I had a saying I always said to to the owners of the the Glazers. I say everybody looks good in shorts. <laughs> Let's put them pads on. Let's put them restrictor pads on that helmet and you know some thigh pads and you know a little nasty short them nasty pants we like to wear. You know and, and let's go to work because everybody looks good in shorts. There's no restrictions in your shorts and your t-shirts and seven on seven. Everybody looks sweet. Everybody look like Jerry Rice. I love this man. I'm going to bet my money on the Lions, baby. How many points I'm getting? Seven? You like the Lions this weekend? 
I like them better than not with seven points. You ain't beating the Lions by seven points. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. That's the Blue Plate Special of the week. Honolulu Blue Plate Special. How about that? Uh-oh. We're going to have to check with John Hadley to see oh. where he stands on that. See what, yeah, like, see what Hadley at. Yeah, see what Hadley at. See what Notre Dame ass at. See if I can get some, get some hunting <laughs> out of him. <laughs> I'm telling you, this, this Hadley, team— uh, this team is built in his, in, in his head coach's image, and that's tough, physical, and he's figured out a way to get Jared Allen not to turn the football. I mean, if, if Mike, if Mike, if Dean catches that pick in the end zone early in the game, we might have a different game. But they, they, they wiped that one clean, and we didn't make the play, and they proceeded to control the line of scrimmage, and that's and that's going to be key against the San Francisco 49ers because ain't no Debo. So, McCaffrey, are you ready for the challenge, big boy? <laughs> yeah, uh, go. I got some bad news for you, Sap. Uh, Hadley agrees with you. Uh, of course he does. <laughs> so, of course uh, he does. He, he's getting seven points. He, he's, a, he's a smart betting man sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me move on to uh, my contention that the most pressure this weekend <laughs> is on – Mr. Jackson, Lamar Jackson. And, and I say that because I think he's playing for clearly what I believe is the best team this season. I think it's really an all-time great team that the four losses kind of cloud people's vision of just how good <laughs> this team is uh, in comparison to the rest of the league. They, they've blown out a lot of good teams, beat a lot of teams by more than two touchdowns. For, deal with the first part. The most pressure is on Lamar Jackson. If he does not get it done, get to the Super Bowl this year with this team, it, it will further a narrative that, you know, he struggles in the postseason. Oh, that will definitely further the narrative, no doubt about it. But I don't think he feels any pressure. I really don't. I really believe the great state of Florida put you on the stage in this great game of football that we enjoy it. I mean, this kid went to Louisville and put up 50 touchdowns. I mean, everywhere he's went. I mean, he, you, you see his highlight tape in, in high school, and you, you're almost like that's a grown man playing with kids. And now with this football team around him, it ain't on him no more like that. Well, huh? He can drop this ball off. Zay, boy, that's Zay, that's Zay Flowers, boy. Hitting that L1 button and that R2 button. Boy, that boy, that boy's some kind of shifty, boy. I mean, he, he has the weapons around him. I mean, and that defense – do you remember the number one pick, Jadavian Clowney? Jadavian Clowney and Justin Mama Duke or whatever, Mabuke or something like that that his name is, Matabuke? Is Mad U Buke? Yeah, Matabuke or something like that. That's the game. If Kansas City can't block them, it's going to look like Pat Mahomes down in Tampa when he's running around trying to, try to throw the ball in that 31-9 Super Bowl that they lost. That's the kind of defense that he's facing this week. If the Kansas City rebuilt offensive line ain't ready for that challenge, this one's over. And then Lamar then will just do their thing because Kansas City defense ain't that. No. Nah. No. You're suspicious of Kansas City's defense. What? Name me two DBs in Kansas City. I am too. I think you can run on them, but I want to hear oh, your explanation. Definitely you can run on them because Chris Jones only shows up to play when he wants to play. And then once you get that going, you can get to the linebackers. And psh, come on, you can't name me a DB. You can't. And you lived in Kansas Snee. City for a long time, huh? Snead gave up his first touchdown last week all year. There it is, Snead. 
Now name me the name me number six and the rest of them. Oh exactly. Exactly. I can't TJ? either. Why are you watch, saying you can't do it? You're a wide receiver. You're supposed to know that. I watch State of Missouri. Everyone. I got TJ Mo sitting over here. He's supposed to know that. <clears throat> what up, cheat and use Google? <laughs> What's up, Sap? Uh, I don't know any of the names of the, but I will tell you, I know the name Chris Jones, and he spends a lot of time wreaking havoc back there in the past game. I'm gonna send you a video after. Now I, you've uh, moved into Sap's camp. area of expertise. Yeah, he done went down to the full feet. He knows better. He knows yeah. better. He knows better. <laughs> TJ, TJ, I'm gonna send, I'm gonna send Whitlock a tape for you, and you're gonna watch it, and you're gonna be like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, Trust I thought me. you were a Chris Jones fan. You're not. I, no, no, I love oh, Chris Jones to consistent. death. The last two messages that I have to Chris Jones is, what the hell was I watching last night? And that is a gold jacket play. The play that he made in uh, Buffalo when he when he caught Josh Allen from the backside and hacked the ball out, because if he doesn't, they're going down. They're going down. They're, Josh is going to score. He, he's definitely going to score, because the headless horseman goes only one direction, and that's forward, and... So be it. And no ball protection, son. You're carrying the hopes and dreams of the whole Buffalo frozen area, and you let it out your hand again. Wow. I'm sorry, Josh. Next season, we'll see you. <laughs> hey, Come I on, may have already asked you. Come on. I what a Belichick asked, question. Well, That's oh, what I want. Oh, all right. That's what I want. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. Well, yeah. Without further ado, uh, Bill Belichick, are you shocked? That uh, teams aren't clamoring for Bill Belichick. TJ, you ain't got my you ain't got my thing queued up over there. What I've been telling y'all for the last ten weeks <laughs> on this show, the Patriot way. TJ's a dead. Belichick groupie. So I, I am a groupie, but also I, when we, why, we we were yeah, we were trying to figure out if it's even worth asking you this question. <laughs> we know you're no answer. no no. Here's the thing: you can get the the Patriot way. And a younger, more energetic coach in Vrabel. And he has the credentials of Super Bowl touchdowns and Super Bowl championships and games that he actually played in. You know what I'm saying? That is the thing that you're looking for. I love the way Vrabel, you know, take the Patriot way and then implement it to the new guys and whatever. The only thing this derailed him was they gave him a, a bad quarterback and a oversized running back that's easy to hit. Get, 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 Stop yeah. it! Stop it! What? You know we don't. I, you're not going to disrespect Derrick Henry like that, Sap. This man do, is the closest thing we've seen in years to do Jim what? Brown. Stop it, Sap! Ooh, stop that! Don't disrespect Jim. God bless you. Jim. Don't roll over in your grave, please. Boy, are you crazy? <laughs> are you mad? Are you mad? What? Get, what? What a stiff arm! Jim Brown is stiff arm. Nobody just ran through him. Yeah. He ain't stiff on me, just ran through him. Don't do that, dog. Don't do that. Hey, man. Der- Derrick Henry is Mike what, 30? right now is rolling over in his bed listening to you disrespect the greatest power uh, running back we've seen in quite some time. I'm trying to eat. John Riggins then. The modern-day John Riggins. You going to disrespect Derrick Henry like that when you play yes. with Mike Allstott? This is this is and he ain't close blasphemy. to either. He's not close to either one of them. Their center of gravity was low to the ground. That's why they ran through people with their shoulder pads, not a stiff arm. You know the difference? Like Zonka. You're talking about power backs? You're talking to a historian of the game. You're talking about power backs? Go to Earl Campbell. Earl Campbell would run through you, put his helmet in your shoulder pad, and your heart would skip a beat. Are you kidding me? Derrick Henry is up and down. What? Easy to hit. 
Yeah, that's how he broke his leg. Uh, you know, let me tell you who any else those, was any easy those other to hit, power, but any those couldn't other be power hit back? and on, couldn't be brought down. Eric what? Dickerson. Oh no, the, Eric the, the Dickerson, dick, the dick from Sealy, Texas, would turn the corner and he's gone. That's what that was. He turned the corner and he's gone. No, Dick's not a power runner. You can put on the tape up in Chicago when they I went said, up there for the for, for the divisional, I, and he disappeared in I'm the cold. I'm not calling him a power runner. I'm I'm. I, why would you oh, disrespect he Derrick hit. Henry, man? Derrick Henry, disrespect what? 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 Disrespect what? Why would you? Derrick Henry the is going to be on, in Canton, Ohio, right alongside you. What? Yeah, I'm getting. He's not even the top 20. Henry can turn Fred the corner Taylor. on you, too. Fred Taylor is the lowest-ranked running back that's not in the Hall of Fame at number 17. Derrick Henry does not appear. What are you talking? I think Derrick Henry is 35th. I think I looked through it the other day. It's like 35th. Come on. I, I will give you credit. You, you check these... You got a lot of you. You do know a lot for. I'm a worthless piece. Yeah, I told you I'm a worthless pile of useless information. I have nothing better to do but read. What I? Four point seven yards per carry for his career. What is he all time on the list? He's had a two thousand yard season. He's had a two thousand yard receive. Thirty six. Thirty six. Thank you. Thank you. Didn't I say thirty five? Did I miss it by one? Oh my bad. But look, He's only like 30 price, years price. old, Sap. He got two more good years, didn't he? Maybe not with the Titans, though. I know. It's hard to switch teams. We were talking about that earlier this year. McCaffrey's you know what the else only is guy harder? I can remember. And, you know what mm-hmm. else is harder? Teaching an old dog to catch a ball and play third down and scan for them new blitzes that he's never done in his life. And now when teams look at you and you put Derrick Henry in the game, we know he can't catch. We know he can't scan for a blitz. So let's give him the blitz right up his conquista because they're going to hand it to him. Why else would they put him in the game? There's nothing else you can do with him. He's a classic one-trick pony. <laughs> and he's easy to hit. Stop. Just hit him in the knees. Hit him in the legs. Don't let him stiff off you. Just hit him. Hit him down low. He ain't got no more bounce to jump over you. What got us on this topic? I thought I asked him about Bill Belichick, and he disrespected Derrick Henry. Thousand no, yards because, him no because I was telling you the reason why you don't want Belichick is because someone just said it this morning, these talking heads, they want Belichick because he's going to be the smartest football person in the room in Atlanta. I'm like, Rich McKay got a pretty good resume, and they went to a Super Bowl with a guy that got his nickname for carrying a, a a, go, a cold mug so he can hit the keg on his way to a party at Boston College. What, what are we talking about here? Belichick's knowledge ain't the thing. It's what are you going to get next? We know what it is behind you, but now what's next? What, what, what are we getting? And I told you, Vrabel is a much better option if you want the, if you want the Patriot way. Much better option. That's what New England did. New England got Gerard Mayo a younger guy that's going to try to implement this system, but someone who's played in the game and have the credentials to go to a player and say, the reason I'm asking you to do this is because I've been there. And like coach say, I got a plan. Trust me. You got to buy in. All 53 men in the locker room have to buy in. The secretary that's typing the itinerary has to buy in. The lawn man that's cutting the yard, TJ, has to buy in, baby. Everybody. (laughs) Everybody. Trust me, and when you got Why somebody in front of you, 
I see his face. I saw his face, you know. Oh, you know, man. I can't talk to TJ. Well, not that I'm bucks. saying it's illegal, but got a three uh, like, I love you too. I love TJ you too and Warren Sapp show, huh? Hey, man, don't do that. Don't do that. I just saw his face. I saw his face, and I know how he is with his conspiracy theory. What you got on the computer? What I thought, I, I do believe in some conspiracy theories, um, a lot of them. What I was thinking was, Andy Reid, you can't look at Andy Reid and say, or Andy Reid can't look at you and say, I've been there. Neither can John Harbaugh. Like, there's a lot of these coaches yeah. Who can't look at you and say, I've been there. Trust me. They say, I got Super Bowls. Trust me. Oh, no, no. I know the way there. That's all. You got to have some credential because Andy Reid started in Green Bay with Favre and the whole West Coast thing. You know, he came from that whole little group, him, Mariucci, John Gruden, all them. All of them have championships. And that's what the pedigree is. When you look at Gerard Mayo, Gerard Mayo tells you, I've done it on the field winning championships this way. So can Antonio Pierce out in Las Vegas. Fellas, I took down the 18-0 New England Patriots. I know the way. Trust me. That, that's the credentials in which you're talking about. And with a 70-plus-year-old Bill Belichick, no kids listening to that. You, you're thinking, how, how long is he going to be here? How long I got to do this? <laughs> If you and start with a new talk. team, you think you got him. Uh, he, man, Sap, he still builds good defense. I had Hadley pull some stuff. They still rank seventh in yards last year. Uh, they've been top eight for the last five years. They were fourth in yards per play to allow last year. The dude can still seriously build a defense. Now do, he just needs now a quarterback. Do me a favor. Now do me a favor and go look at the opponents because for some reason, Bill Belichick's schedule just seems to be just a little bit easier than everybody else at the top that win their division for some reason. For some reason. For some reason. He's playing Josh Allen and Tua Tungviola. Yeah, the headless uh, horseman you know, the and the kid. And the guy didn't think we was gonna st- he was going to stand up for 17 weeks. You know, just push him down, he's going to fall, and it was going to be over. <laughs> yeah. And the mess, that's the Jets. Come on, man. He did that for years. You know what's funny, Sap? You know what's, what is for probably the most impressive thing? And it's consistent. Uh, as a football player, you were quick on your feet. As a broadcaster, you're quick on your feet. I can't believe these comebacks <laughs> you're coming up with right off the top of your head. It, it, you know what? I'm, I'm booting you off the show because sometimes you look better than me talking. Uh, this, and, and somebody will get a bright but idea you, that you should be But you will always look better writing and, 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 and read. It, 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 will, it will come out a lot better with you writing because you, you're a natural writer, but you just... You get a little caught up in this football. It's emotional for you. That's what it is. <laughs> See, I let Sap pretend like he knows more about football than me, but just to build his confidence up. But uh, yeah, he needs that. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. The, the Hall of Fame busted gold jacket and the whole full statue in Tampa had done enough for it. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> let me just say this. Let me say this. If Ronald McDonald had never opened a McDonald's, I'd be in the Hall of Fame right with you. Uh, <laughs> was the burgers that good at the crib? <laughs> I got one for you. We, we got we got to go have a trill burger together. Oh my god! And if you're a vegan, uh, TJ, he has vegan too. <laughs> Unreal. TJ's no vegan. I'm no vegan. He's right, look like a show. vegan. I'm no vegan. Just making sure oh, you're a meat eater. Just making sure you're a meat eater over that big guy. That's all. Yeah, and what was the question you're gonna ask me? And I interrupted you. I'm sorry. I didn't want to get the Bill Belichick too fast, but I had to. No, I was going to say bye. 
I was, I was, <laughs> I was going to say, I got to get to Steve Kim. He's probably hostile and mad at me right now. I'm the late. Korean Cosell? I got to go. Korean, Korean Cosell? I got to. Tell him I say, tell him I the, say, the what up, baby? Miami keep homer. No, no. Tell him to keep yeah, spitting. Biggest... I know. I know he'll Kane. Tell him, let's go Kane's. Oh. <laughs> not, not very far with Mario, but let's go Kane's. <laughs> Thank you, Sab. Uh, go- All right, welcome back. Time for the Korean Cosell. Cosell, uh, you got to be on your toes today. Uh, I'm going to throw some curveballs your way. I'm going to start with uh, what I've been talking with Brett Favre and Warren Sapp about. By the way, Warren Sapp gave you a shout out, said to say hello. Uh, oh, Brett, really? Uh, we've, yeah. Yeah, don't, yeah, of course he did. He, he knows you're a Miami homer. Uh, anyway, we've been talking about uh, Taylor Swift. And so I, I want to know your Taylor Swift. What's your position on Taylor Swift as a musical artist, not as a football fan? Are you a Swifty? Uh, well, first of all, with Taylor Swift, some really, really imaginative AI I saw on Twitter. Very provocative. I have never seen her that way. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you've seen them or not. The Swifties, are uh, they are incensed. I'm going to say something to you that I'm being dead serious and you may not believe me. I could not name a single Swift song. I don't know a single album. I don't know a single lyric. I don't know what the big deal is. I don't necessarily hate her. But when it comes to my musical taste and you see my timeline, um, it, it's all about, of course, the great Miss Anita Baker. You are number one forever. And uh, for everyone out there going to her concerts, be respectful. Do not put out your phone. Just listen to the greatness. Whitney Houston. Oh, great. God rest her soul. Charday. I saw a picture of her on like her 65th birthday. Miss Charday, you are still a smooth operator. Uh, Karen White. Remember Karen White? Forever, my superwoman. Okay. And then also today, you know what a great song came up on my YouTube timeline for music? Patti LaBelle. You know what? I've tied it up my point of view. I've got a new attitude. So though that's who I listen to. And Latin freestyle, like Lisa Lisa, Trenere, uh, Tiffany, Debbie Gibson, not ashamed to admit it. Love them. When it comes to Swifties and Taylor Swift, I draw a blank. It's the God's honest truth. You know what I got to... That's all off the top of his head. He's unprepared. I had no idea that I was going to bring up Taylor Swift. And he goes through his female music catalog. Boom, 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 boom. Works in their song titles. Yes. So that may be some of your best work. Impressive. You you unknowingly know a lot of Taylor Swift lyrics. If you've been to a football stadium or a gym or you've had a radio on over the last 15 years you know Taylor Swift lyrics. Really? Yeah, and look, and if I, I go hip-hop, it's like Roxanne Shante. You know, get out the way, have a nice day. Uh, MC Light, I like. Now, okay, today's female rappers, bleh, vomit. But uh, Taylor Swift, I've never understood this fascination which borders on almost like this god or deity-like status. I, I don't get it and how people pay thousands and thousands of dollars She's like the white Beyonce. It goes beyond yes. fandom. It really does. And I'm thinking to myself, 
we are really a nation of followers and worshipers, and I don't think it's a great thing. Cosell, I may have to invite you on to tomorrow's show because I want to talk with Delano and Shamika about uh, Sexy Red and what she, <laughs> The Root wrote some article saying that, you know, and they call it P-U-S-S-Y rap. And, you know, is she destroying music? Is she destroying the black community? And, and you know, we may need to tap into your, you know, All right, couple things. encyclopedic knowledge of. Okay. All right. So a couple things. Make it early because I'm having my monthly lunch with Larry Merchant. But think about how far we have come and devolved in America. We went, we once went from U and I T Y to P U S S Y. What? I don't look at that as progress. <laughs> I know I'm an old guy. I am now that guy telling people stop skateboarding on my lawn or you kids get out of here. I'm officially that guy. And you know what? I had to have it no other way. I'm not changing. U N I T Y for those of you that don't know, that's a Latifah. Queen Latifah song. Yeah. Who are you yeah. calling a bitch? Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. a great rap song. It, it's uh, it's back actually when I used to like Queen Latifah uh, before she became this woke woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the equalizer or whatever. But yeah. so I got to give you, man. I mean, I don't, I don't, I could not do that. And I was deep off into the rap world and friends with a lot of rappers. I could not do that. Let me move you into the sports lane mm -hmm. after, you know, spending all that Taylor Swift time. I want to stay in your area, because i got to change things up a little bit. I want to stay in your area of expertise. And, and, and this is really in your area of expertise. And take as much time as you like, because I think this is important. Nick Saban retired. Yes. And Jim Harbaugh just joined the Chargers. That leaves, in my opinion, oh, no. Deion Sanders oh, as it. the face of college football. Deion Sanders, the face of college football. Good thing or bad thing? Boy, I want to disagree with you, but now that I think about it, in terms of coaches, whether they are iconic or not, when it comes to their profile, and when you think of a school, like every time I thought of Joe Pa, I thought of Penn State, right? Uh, Bear Bryant, Alabama. I, I can't completely disagree, but I do think th there is this dynamic. When Colorado is winning, as they did through most of September, yes. But as they come back down to earth and lose a few games, and then it fades away. So it's almost like a novelty. But Jason, I told you this a couple of months ago. I did not want Jim Harbaugh to leave college football. And I think he has to because there are some NCAA violations coming up to Ann Arbor. So I think it's almost like an escape path, much the way Pete Carroll went to Seattle from USC. But Jason, we are losing our traditions and our personalities in college football where you associate either mascots or certain players or the colors and certainly the coaches. And this is one of the things that is really unique and that I love about college football specifically. When you have a great iconic coach, you start to root against that man and you start to make fun of them. You start to make signs, you make chants up against them. That's part of the fun of college football that does not exist in the national football league 
And yes, Jason, I really believe Harbaugh and Saban were two of those guys that anytime that they were on the sideline, even though they were not players, if you did not like them on the days that they lost, which were kind of rare, it felt like a national holiday. And now we're losing that. And I, and I find that to be a shame. I, I want to marinate on this topic because important may be not the right word, but it's significant for things you just talked about. And TJ, I want you to jump in here as well. The, 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 just what you said, Saban, fun to root against him, fun to make yeah. fun of him, fun to hate Alabama. Dabo Sweeney, fun to root against him. Right? He's still there. Jim Harbaugh, I've, I've had a stick for 10 years or eight years or however long he came back to Michigan of like, Long live Brady Hoke, because Brady Hoke was a friend of mine. He's a former Ball State football player. It was a stick, but me trolling Jim Harbaugh and you know wanting him to win a championship, it was fun. Mm-hmm. And so just think of the, who I just named, rattled off, Harbaugh, Saban, Diabo. You could have fun and yes. mock those guys, and no one thought anything. Yep. When Deion Sanders becomes the face of football, and you mock him, Mm-mm. now all of a sudden, you're racist. Mm-hmm. Now you can't do it. Again, just think how people melt down because I criticize Deion Sanders. And, and again, did I focus more on Deion because he got so much attention? But like people are completely unaware that for how, the entirety of Jim Harbaugh's tenure at Michigan, I criticized him about his recruiting stick and a bunch of other stuff he was doing. He's doing too much, criticizing for bringing Callan Kaepernick on campus, blah, blah, blah. You criticize Dion, and now you're racist. And and I'm going to go a step even further. I'm going to widen it up just a little bit more. College basketball. Who's the coaching face of Mm. college basketball right now? And somebody might jump in and say Bill Self. Someone might. But the real answer is, go look at the commercials. Don Staley is getting more commercials and being promoted as the face of college basketball coaching more than anybody else. Mm -hmm. They would have her out there with Coach K the same way they'd have Dion out there with Nick Saban. And and so, Don Staley, you criticize her, you're a racist. And so, the whole dynamics of fandom is being changed and the sport's becoming less interesting and more politicized. I I think Harbaugh and Saban exiting, and and I haven't even brought Danny Connell's tweet into it yet, but just just deal with that. The fact that Dion's the face of college football, but unlike all the previous coaches, you better not criticize him or make fun of him. It is interesting. You know, we, I guess during my college years, Nick Saban won three out of the four national championships the four years that I was in school. So he was obviously the face at that. He was just ascending, 2009, um, after he came back. But we didn't think to ourselves, you're the face of college football or here are the co-. It wasn't so much about the coaches. It was about the teams and your teammates and all. And that has all changed. I mean, we've been talking about this. You don't know who's going to be in the locker next to you midseason or next year. And it's destroying that. What, what this has done and this, I think, is what you're getting to uh, with the start. Jim Harbaugh and Nick Saban want nothing to do with this. Gary Pinkle would never coach in this era. You go look at the coaches 
from 2010. I was looking at a bunch of them up. I don't know if I have them pulled up here anymore. But the, you know, Harbaugh's, Chip Kelly, I think, totally different game. And he, you see he's trying to argue for a totally different system now or to, to change the conferences. He's like, we're leaving. We got kids traveling across America to go play because it's all about money. You think it's good for the UCLA uh, women's volleyball team to now be going to play in uh, Maine or Ohio. It's just, they've destroyed it. And I think what it's done is the competitive advantage for being a great coach somebody who could command a room and teach principles and do everything that a coach once did, that's all gone. Now it's all about best salesmen. And these guys who spent their lives trying to be great football coaches don't want anything to do with that. Jason, you brought up basketball about two months ago. I read a book about the history of the Big East. Very well done. Brought about some great memories uh, growing up as a child of the 80s when the Big East was the conference. But every coach mattered and they were a personality. And, I mean, John Thompson, Louis Carnesecca, Roly Massimino, a young Rick Pitino, upstart Jim Calhoun. And they kind of reflected the values of the program. Jim Beheim. Jimmy Beheim, the biggest whiner ever, but respect to him. And they all kind of loved and hated each other. And it was great because the student sections were, could not wait for these schools to come in because they had certain chants. They taught the coaches. And mostly it was in good fun. You go back to the 80s, really the golden age for me. Miami Notre Dame, the Catholics versus convicts. I remember Notre Dame fans had a nickname for the great Jimmy Johnson. It was highly disrespectful, but it was funny. They used to call him Pork Face Satan. And other schools used to call Jimmy the Warden, because I guess some of our players may have had some issues. But it was all basically, I don't want to say it was in good fun, but it was funny. And I miss guys like Steve Spurrier of the Hated Gators. I mean, he just called some old ball plays, but he would just zing teams. He would say stuff like, well, you know, you can't spell Citrus Bowl without UT, and all of Tennessee would just hate him. It was the funniest thing, and everywhere Steve Spurrier went, you weren't just rooting against the Gators and the fun and gun. You wanted to beat Spurrier, and Spurrier seemed to enjoy it. And, and during this segment, Jason, now that Harbaugh and Saban have departed, who is that coach that you really hate and you want their team to lose? It's, it's not Steve Sarkeesian. He's kind of a nice guy. Maybe Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin is a polarizing figure. He's Dion. one of the people. Yeah, but are they Dion's the guy people are rooting against. Yeah. Yeah, but people but, are but still Kiffin, rooting against him. I agree, but after your fifth loss, you're like, okay, we'll just and you don't care. You no, don't people want. root for the six. Trust me, I did yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. And by the way, one last thing is the route. I'm not so sure you were you were sticking it up on Harbaugh. Yeah, I, I, yeah trust me, folks. He's see, oh, now no, no. He's, Some of it early on was legitimate yeah. in terms of yeah. like, hey man, y'all anointing this dude and he hasn't done it yet. And he hired Turned a out. woman to go there. Yeah. We, we got after Harbaugh a few times. Yes. Yeah. And, the fine but coach. yeah, no one fine. pays attention because he's white and that's perfectly fine. There was no shtick in us criticizing Colin Kaepernick <laughs> walking around the spree. I don't think it was manufactured. But I mean, for years. I mean, his first three or four years, I th- think he struggled a little bit against Ohio State. Yeah, it was like going three. Yeah, and 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 I just started, hey, cut it out. I, I think this guy's good, but let's let him win some stuff. Me and Cowherd used to debate it because Cowherd's a big, and he's right. Harbaugh's great, but me and Cowherd and I. I think Jason McIntyre, he was a big uh, Harbaugh guy. And I, I was like, I like Harbaugh. I just want him to prove it. And, and I, 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 man, I'm telling you, what's about to happen in college football, it's fascinating. 
that we're going to install this idol, Deion Sanders, as the face. He hasn't proven it. Great. He won in the uh, the SWAC or whatever when he had so much more talent than everybody else. But but he just hasn't earned this pedestal that he's been placed on. And not only are they placing him on a pedestal, they've illegalized criticism and the mocking of him. And TJ, this is where I, I, I want you to go here or I'm just I want to remind you of like the University of Missouri. And this applies mostly to basketball, but they had the antlers. Mm-hmm. And you went to that arena knowing they were going to clown suit the other team. Mm-hmm. That's all been illegalized in this safe space era we've created. You can't mock the other team. You can't mock the coaches. You can't. Everything's it's like the fun of being. And I'll rope slightly, slightly, because I don't want to distract us from the college aspect. But it's just like this is what so irritates me. about Luka Doncic is having mm-hmm. fans kicked out of arenas. We're going for this. Fans are going, this is all a good thing. You can't make fun of Dion. You can't do this. You can't do that. The players, you must throw rose petals at them. And if you tell a player, uh, you know, hey, you look tired, get your ass on a treadmill, they can kick you out of the arena? This is crazy. Well, part of the reason the players won't go along with it is because they want to play for Dion next year in that transfer portal. That is, I'm telling you, some of these guys on these schools, it, they play Dion in its little tryout. The, this whole, uh, the transfer portal, we've been talking about this for two, three years now. The transfer portal is the worst possible thing. These guys are walking over to the coaches and saying, hey man, keep an eye on me today. I mean, we're in a really destructive time. And then the, the amount of things now we've seen with uh, Rachel Richardson, right? You're, you're afraid to say anything in a crowd. What if it gets misconstrued? What if you don't say anything like what we saw with her? I mean, we're in such an era of political correctness and, and now victimhood that everybody's afraid to go out and have fun. And there is, it's sit back here and hope that nobody picks on you. TJ, I actually think the transfer portal was okay, but when you don't put restrictions on sitting out and then basically now you're saying you could transfer a couple of times, that's where it just completely spun out of control and I came from an era, I forgot what player it was, but I remember in the 80s, there was this basketball player that got accused of stealing a pizza. I guess he ordered a pizza, took the pizza from the delivery guy, and then slammed the door. It became a little bit of an issue. So the next road game, I think it was in the ACC. So the player didn't get suspended. So they announced the guy's name, and, and as soon as he starts walking out with his team or running to his teammate. The whole student section had empty pizza boxes and they threw them on the court. That was when America was a serious country. That's when we had fun. I, I, I'm, just Steve, you're the hardest core college football fan that I know. Hmm. You love college football and you're a fanatic. I was. And, and I know. I was. Yeah. And, and so, hmm, okay. You, Jason, you're less so? Yes. Here, here's the thing. I, I, during the season, I'll go on these Miami Hurricane spaces. I'll converse with people about the games. But right now, even with recruiting and specifically with the portal, I find it to be way too much. My attitude is now talk to me after spring practice because this is what I find ridiculous, TJ. Um, you could actually now go through spring ball, and then right after the spring game, 
put yourself right back in the portal. So now you're telling me that the programs and coaches going into spring practice as they try to set the DNA and turn the page the next season, that's not even the group you're going to have for fall practice. I find that to be ridiculous. I'm all about player movement to a degree, but the fact that you can go into spring practice and literally a day after it ends, you could be on another program. Look, I don't have time. I don't cover it. I don't get paid. I'm still a fan. But as a fan, Jason, yes, I'm feeling some fatigue over this whole thing. Can I have one more thing here? And it would be that Dion's not going to be the coach of Colorado in two years, three mm. at most. So mm. if he's going to be the face, it's going to be very short-lived because his kids are going to graduate and he's always just been the dad coach. And college football doesn't understand they're different than the NFL. The NFL is about the quarterbacks and the stars, and college football has always been about the coaches. So you're going to drive out all the best coaches, and you're going to be stuck here with a bunch of people nobody care about. But, Jason, well, TJ, can I make this point to that? Please. I think some of the coaches need to stay at their jobs and establish themselves. And, and again, it's easy for me to say I'm not the one getting the raise. But I am a huge fan of Jed Fish. I thought he did as good a job as anybody this year in bringing up Arizona. And I thought, man, that guy could be the greatest coach they've ever had, even beyond Dick Tomey. He's an offensive whiz. He's going places. And he has a great team coming back because that was a very young team with Fafita and T-Mac outside. I'm thinking that that team could win the Big 12 next year maybe. And what's he do? As soon as Washington opens up, he bolts. So some of this is on the coaches because they're always climbing for that job that's higher on the pecking order. So it's not just all on the players. We have to be honest about this. But it's the top coaches that are bailing, and that's my point. These guys don't want to coach in this chaos. No. And, and, and if they have a – because, again, like for Harbaugh, like the NFL is superior. You can control your roster. Oh, I've got this guy for three years because of this contract and blah, blah. There is a system in place. There is no system. I want to read Danny Connell's tweet just to enter it into the record because that's part of the conversation. I should have asked Danny to come on today, but we'll probably maybe because this is a big issue, I think, for fans and for fans to finally start shaking out of it. Like they're they've so destroyed these systems and we're catering everything to these people at the top. And now all the players are making millions of dollars. And the fans all act like, yeah, that's great. Uh, nothing in it for us. Everything's uh, declining for us, and everything financially is improving for everybody else, and I'm perfectly fine with that. I'm not as a fan, and I don't care if that makes me look selfish. I don't care if that makes me look like I'm a hater of the players or the coaches. But it's like I, I'm still a fan, and they're destroying the experience. Uh, Danny Connell tweeted out, college football is losing its best coaches because there is zero structure. It's impossible to manage rosters, keep players from bolting or have any say in who who you pay, but still have to worry about the NCAA. It's a joke. And if it doesn't get fixed soon, more will make the same jump. <clears throat> now, I want to connect that statement to everything I've been talking about forever on this show. But in particular, the last week or two, as I keep making this point about Stephen A. Smith, and I keep talking about why I've been beefing with the media my entire career. Because Danny Connell just points out something obvious. We're having a conversation about something that's obvious. 
These people that are installed in the media, do you think they're talking about, like, do you think Stephen A. Smith's gonna do a segment on First Take about, hey man, they've destroyed the college football system. We can't, we're gonna make Dion the face of college football. We can't criticize him. We can't mock him like we have been all these other coaches for years because, you know, we'll play the race card and blah, blah, blah. There's no one in the media to raise up these conversations so that we can move these games in a better direction, things won't improve. And, and this is an example of like what's wrong with America. That the American media doesn't do its job, doesn't force us to talk about the right things. I just watched the video with Vivek and Charlemagne on The Breakfast Club, where Vivek, where he was trying to get, Charlemagne was trying to get Vivek to talk about Trump used two words that Hitler used. And Vivek kept saying, well, hold on, man. That, that's not a real issue. That's a gotcha deal. Let's talk about the issue. Wouldn't do it. They, Charlemagne, installed. And all of the, Stephen A. Smith, installed. It, it, it's why, I, look, it's great for me and this show if people snap out of it and realize like, oh man, if I really want to have a conversation or hear the real issues discussed, come to Fearless because Jason and TJ and Steve Kim actually talk about what's going on in the sports world and what's impacting us. It's great for us. But but the rest of the media should be doing it because as long as it's, oh, that's independent media and the main people we've installed to control the conversation are doing their job, we never have to improve anything. We can all just make the system more and more corrupt, stuff our pockets, and screw the fans, screw the, screw the everyman, and, and, and th that's, I just think we should be a little bit more outraged, and I, I look at someone like Steve Kim, it's like, my God, this guy loves college football, and they don't care that they've created a system that Steve Kim doesn't like, and it's turning off one of their primary fans, they're making Steve Kim less of a fan. Yeah. That's ridiculous. I mean, Jason, let's be honest. If Miami would have gone 15 and 0, I'd say, God, I love football more than ever. Look at that. That's part of it. Okay. <laughs> let's just be honest. Mario, I'm still with you, but come on, next year's schedule, I, I'm going to need 11 to 12 wins. But with that said, Jason, in, in terms of how the media covers things, well, number one, Charlemagne's a wrangler. He's a democratic, liberal wrangler. He can't say anything else. No, Steve, Steve, I, I want to give you permission. On this show, you can say Negro Wrangler. Well, I okay. will protect you. You can say right. Negro Wrangler. So Go ahead. You said that, not me. I'm just a crouching tiger, okay? Just a fine guest on this great show. But the other thing is, I, I think there's a thing here with the media, and I see this all the time. I see it in boxing. Media members are afraid to stand on old-fashioned tradition. See, I'm like the anomaly. I'm the one guy, I'm proud to be the old, bitter Asian Andy Rooney. I actually like it because I'm not, because I have no problem saying, well, Steve, I disagree with you or I don't like what you said. And, and the greatest retort you could ever have to someone like that and then not bow down to the social media pressure is these two words, yeah and but just leave it at that. We're allowed to disagree. I'm going to have my opinion. You are never changing my mind because I got faith in my intellect and my knowledge over yours. But again, too many media members want to be known as young and forward thinking, no matter how illogical it is. So when people say, well, Steve, the players, they had no rights for years. And I just say, right, they, they probably didn't. But it has swung too much in the opposite direction. 
and we need a little bit of foundational uh, setting in the college football world. It is not sustainable. And I'm just telling you, if you lose me as a fan, who, by the way, is a fanatic of this particular game, I cannot be the only one who feels this way, Jason. I'm just dumb enough to express it. Mm. Steve's right. Mizzou won 11 games this year, and I was thrilled. So there yeah. is some. Yeah. some uh-huh. to but Eli Drinkwitz. It, Great job, Eli. Great job. But it, I'm telling you, it wasn't the same no. as the 2007 team. It just, it wasn't that team. Mm-hmm. Maybe just as good. Wasn't the same. Different experience. So, I, and both of you guys have been following the media much longer than I have. When did the media go from. Uh, trying to figure out the problems, like you're doing now, to always protecting the elites. Because in this scenario, the college football players are the elites. And they, it, it's no media. different than the politicians and everybody. Maybe it was social media. That, that I, you would say, you could say, I would not uh, agree with this, but you and I both say, we were exploited, they could say. Right? As college football players, we generated all of this money and they would not allow us to have any of it. I would never agree to that, but that, that is the argument. And you can make that argument for a time. Where's that argument now? Like yeah. now, if anything, the fans are being exploited. Yes. So why aren't we making that argument? How come it's always the people who are actually funding all of this stuff? They never get any attention. Because now, at this point, this is the other interesting thing. And I, I, man, this is a great conversation, but this is the fans aren't funding what we're seeing, corporations are now. The NFL, NBA stadiums, the people really driving tickets and all that, it's corporations. And, and, and it's corporate investment, even if they're not buying tickets, they could care less. That's the primary money is coming from a corporate structure. They're not as dependent on fans buying tickets, fans buying, because that's all nice money. But th- these, Corporate deals they've made with all of these leagues. Trust me, the the NBA has an attendance problem. It's covered up. It's papered up. Uh, Fans aren't nearly as interested, but corporations buy tickets and their high-end executives employees go to the games, and it looks on TV the same. But it's not. But isn't it the TV? Doesn't it still come back to the fans? Because it's the TV numbers that justify all the corporate sponsors. The TV numbers are now inflated. I just read a story about, now that they do this out of home, that's why they keep putting out, so-and-so just set a record, most people watching. It's, and they'll never tell you, Ethan Strauss wrote a great piece on this, they'll never tell you that like, because of now they count out of home viewers and viewers in bars and in group settings, that of course they're setting new records. That They've come up with a whole new it's all a Ponzi scheme. It, 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 maybe five years from now, it blows up and it collapses and the truth comes out. But right now, as they're, they're just moving the goalposts and, and co- taking, again, it's a Ponzi scheme. Uh, Steve, yeah. hop, I mean, hop back listen, here. If you look at the NBA Finals numbers, when Michael Jordan hit that iconic shot in Utah, I think that game was viewed by about 38 million people. It's now a fraction of that. And they could cook the books like it's Enron in 2001. The bottom line is when it comes to the NBA, they do have an issue in terms of viewership. Now, when it comes to football, TJ, I find it interesting is because we're such fanatics and football is king. If you look at the Nielsen ratings of the top 100 shows every year, football in the NFL specifically is dotted all over. But here is the difference. And I'm not complaining about it. I'm just pointing out a fact. Even when it comes to a team like the Miami Hurricanes, I find myself now with all these transfer portal 
player that everybody gets. I'm no longer rooting for players. I don't really have this deep tie with them as seeing them as freshmen, redshirting, growing up through the process, and eventually earning playing time. Now you're just rooting for a logo and a uniform. It's really not the same anymore. At least that's the way I feel. For, for, and Steve, I'm going to let you go. I'm gonna, I want you to be available early tomorrow because I'm going to put you in the sexy red conversation. I'll, tomorrow, hopefully, I'll let you talk about the L.A. Times deal. But, Steve, I'm going to let you go. The, the, the uh, final thing I would say about any of this is, for me, and just like Steve, as it relates to college football, I was an extreme nut job for Ball State. Extreme. My entire Saturdays built around. I, there was nothing that would interfere with me watching a Ball State football game. This past season, I don't know if I watched the game start to finish. Mm. And I certainly didn't build my – if I had something else come up, uh, I'll catch a highlight. And a lot of it had to do we struggled and weren't that good. But I've watched a lot of bad Ball State football teams yeah. start to finish because I cared about the kids, knew the kids. Oh, I remember when he was a freshman and he was a two-star or a three-star. And I, 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 I watch, uh, who's the, who's he play for? Is it Baltimore? Desmond King, he's a cornerback. He was on what? Houston. Mm. Desmond King. He had committed originally to Ball State. And two days before signing day, Iowa offered him, and he went to Iowa. And I followed his entire career because he was a Ball State recruit that I was high on out of Detroit and I just said, oh, man, we could have had Desmond King. Yeah. And <laughs> still follow his NFL career. Now, because of the transfer report and all that stuff, I don't, I don't follow recruiting the way that I did. Yeah. I don't care. I, there's, you know, not that I ever did this where I would admit to it, but I'm not giving away money to these kids and recruits the way that I, I mean, I maybe used to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> other people might have done it at some point. Yeah, uh, it's true. Your best player is going to be at Nebraska or Ohio State, or it's you know, and it, that may come. Mizzou has a seriously good NIL program today, but money dries up eventually. It's like what happens when you can't afford all these kids? Are all your best players that you have one year going to? Or what happens when uh, you know? At some point, one of these schools is going to have a Phil Knight type who just decides, yeah, everybody's getting a million bucks this year. I don't care. Give everybody on this roster a million dollars. Do you know that I read this, and I'm sure it's going to be much worse moving forward, but I read two days ago. There were four college players who are making more than Brock Purdy this year. It's like, what? I know Brock Purdy's not making much money by those standards, but college. These kids are going to stay longer, but never in the same place. Like there was a, there was a really good, I can't remember what year it was, five, six years ago now, Wisconsin basketball team. And they had a bunch of seniors. And they were fun to watch, fundamentally sound. And I, I think whatever, they got bounced in the Final Four. They didn't win the championship, I don't think. But uh, that doesn't exist anymore. We got one kid at Mizzou, Brady Cook, who's been there. He'll be a senior. You know, he's probably not an NFL guy. But I care about him. He's, he had to fight through it. And these other kids that come in, stay for a year, you get a transfer in from – Good luck in anybody to care. And it's the fans you should care about because at the end of the day, if that dries up, I don't think the corporations can stay in there long term. All right. Uh, let's play some tomorrow, and we'll see you tomorrow. Freedom, looking for a breakout, feeling like a sand.
off nothing in life like freedom Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder Making all this moves for freedom I want freedom No negotiation, my sister, no relation We all just wanna have freedom Sitting on 